Before we get into today's Reddit stories, I first of all need to tell you about one of my other favorite Reddit podcasts out there, The OKOP Show. If you guys are looking for even more daily Reddit content, then The OKOP Show with John and Sam is perfect for you. Just search for the letters OKOP wherever you get your pods. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What is going on everyone and welcome to episode 6, the penultimate episode in the Kevin in a Big Rig saga. What a series it has been so far and now there are just two episodes remaining. This is episode 6, tomorrow will be the final one, episode 7. To rejog your memory, during episode 5, Kevin grabbed the wheel or at least attempted to grab the wheel off the truck while OP was driving it. Such was his... I guess, annoyance at what OP was doing for no real reason. That is the level of insanity we've got to now with this pair. I mean, I say this pair, Kevin in particular. But somehow, as you can tell by the title of this one, things get even crazier in episode six as Kevin attempts to destroy part of the truck's braking system. Without further ado, make sure you are subscribed with notifications on. Drop a like on this one if you're excited. Here we go. This is the penultimate episode in the Kevin in a Big Rig series. Kevin in a Big Rig Part 8. Brake Check. Backstory. This story takes place immediately after the events in Part 7. Flashpoint. After making me dodge a bullet from safety after Kevin's petty little phone call, he decided to continue along Interstate 90 eastbound through Montana. The winter storm that had forced us to shut down had slowed and moved south during the night, leaving us running along its northern edge. We hadn't seen the last of it. After sending the email that I hoped would seal Kevin's fate, I tried to get some sleep. It wasn't easy. Going over the possible scenarios and contingencies to which launching such an unexpected attack would lead. I didn't expect a quick resolution or that I'd be taken seriously at first. That was fine. If I, a lowly truck driver, wasn't enough to get a trucking company to stick to their safety first policy, then I had some bigger guns to play with. I need only to bide my time, give them a fair chance, but give no quarter should they try to hide from their responsibility. If management had any sense, they'd play ball and get this moron off the highway. I woke up again around mid-afternoon. Kevin was still driving, but knowing he'd be out of time soon, I decided to get up and see what new mess Kevin had gotten us into. I pull on my boots and, expecting nothing, I check my phone. To my mild surprise, there's an unread email from my fleet manager. Okay, it read. I'll forward this to safety. Thanks. Uh Uh-huh, I say to myself. Passing the buck and covering your butt. Smart move. At least one person did the right thing. Let's see if the rest follow suit. I close the email and head up front. To my relief, Kevin was on course and with enough fuel to get to the next fuel stop. I say nothing to him. He says nothing to me. Awkward? I was born awkward. Bring it on, Skippy. I take the truck computer, scrolling through the messages to see if anyone from the company had sent anything related to email bombs that I dropped on half the company. Again, nothing. 
They were either ignoring me outright, which would be very bad for them in the long run, or I'd unleashed a demon from the SATA department who demanded a blood price for everyone letting Kevin go that long. In any case, there wasn't much I could do until safety made their move or decided not to move. I set the computer down, lit a cigarette, and took out my phone again. I forwarded the nuclear email to my then-girlfriend, telling her that if anything happened to me, she was to get this to a lawyer, press charges for negligence, gross misconduct, whatever, and sue this company into bankruptcy. I also BCC her to all future emails so she'd have them as well. Dramatic? Maybe. But I wasn't going to let this get swept under the rug. No, to be honest, OP, that makes complete sense. If you do go out due to Kevin's awful driving, at least get somebody that you love some money from it. Next, I checked the weather and see the storm had moved to the south. Although the weather was clearing, the temperature hovered barely above freezing during the day and was dropping quickly at night. With the ice and snow from previous storms, this presented a dangerous situation. Ice would thaw during the day, allowing safe travel, but would refreeze into black ice after sunset, making driving unsafe. Icy roads meant more slowdowns and shutdowns from safety, making this trip even more torturous, nerve-wracking, and tempting to smother Kevin in his sleep, bury him in a shallow grave, and claim he simply wandered off. Tempting, but after the email I'd sent, it would look a little too suspicious. I watched Law and Order. Kevin drove for about another hour before the computer alarm signals that his drive time is running low. Lucky for him, our next fuel stop is only a few miles away. We get to the truck stop, and Kevin, claiming his poor leg is hurting him, leaves me to handle the refueling while he goes inside. I top off the tanks, give the truck a quick once over, and go inside myself for supplies to get me through a hard night of driving. As it turned out, that hard night only lasted about three hours as the frozen roads forced another shutdown just as I predicted. This went on for about two more days, slow going due to safety mandated slowdowns during the day and shutdowns coming at night when the roads froze over again. I barely said a word to him, but Kevin, thinking that he'd subjugated me with his little anonymous phone call, regaled me with his tired old stories. Car wrecks, jailbird nephew, 21 day coma how he was going to cut the engine brakes out of the truck i began to sympathize with bill murray's character in groundhog day every day was simply a repeat of the last adding to the frustration was the lack of response to my email to safety i was getting the feeling that they were actively ignoring me but i stayed true to my word sending them daily updates on kevin's actions most of these updates were simply repeats of previous issues but one would think that if a peon was willing to take the time to do their job they'd at least send a thank you by the end of the second day i start planning to go even higher wondering how i would go about sending a certified mail to the company ceo around early afternoon of the third day we made it down the eastern slope of the rockies through bozeman montana the roads were clear and dry and nothing from safety telling us to stop I was driving at the time and couldn't help but feel relieved. Montana is a beautiful state, but in that instance, it was Hades. In my mind, I imagined William Shatner saying, Warp speed, Mr. Sulu, and gun the accelerator down the interstate, headed for Wyoming. I managed to get us as far as the port of entry in Sheridan, Wyoming, before running out of drive time late that evening. I go inside, check in with the Wyoming DOT, and get a weather update. By the way, the staff at Wyoming DOT are awesome people. They tell me that the roads are clear between there and South Dakota. First good news in a while. I show them the paperwork they asked for, stop by the restroom, and head back to the truck. 
In the dark parking area, I see the hood of the cab rolled open and Kevin shining a flashlight underneath. Odd, but I think he's just checking the oil or looking for fluid leaks. It's a bit of a walk to the truck from the office. The port of entry has a large parking lot and most of the closer spaces are taken up by other trucks staying for the night. I expected Kevin to be done in a few seconds, but by the time I get to the truck, he's still underneath the cab. I can see a pair of pliers in his hand and I suddenly become concerned. There was nothing wrong with the truck and no reason he needed any kind of tool. Not that he should be trusted with one in any case. What the heck are you doing? I ask. Kevin, not having heard me approach, nearly jumped out of his skin. Oh, I was looking at something. What? I ask in my not messing around tone. I saw online how you can disable the Jake brakes. I was going to try it, he replied. I wasn't mad. I was just absolutely fed up with this. Get in the goddamn truck, you clown. And if you try that again, I'll make sure safety and maintenance get the video. He starts sulking, but closes the hood. I climb inside, send another email update, including how he just tried to disable an integrated safety system on the truck. This is a major no-no, equal to cutting the brake lines on a car. For a split second, I was tempted to let him hang himself with that stun, but I decided not to, because given his track record, the truck would likely explode with me in it. Kevin finally pulls out of the port of entry and gets us going again. I settle in the bunk because I really didn't want to talk to him anymore. It takes a while to get to sleep, partly due to Kevin's poor driving and partly because my brain is busy planning out strategies for my inevitable battle with Kevin and safety. Kevin drove through the night, managing to get through Wyoming and South Dakota, just shy of the Minnesota border. I wake up late the next morning and check my email. Nothing. Keep digging yourselves in a deeper hole, I think, while getting ready. I was beginning to think they weren't taking me seriously. Then, when he hears me stirring behind him, Kevin yells back, Dispatch wants us to head back to main terminal when we deliver. Oh, I say, legitimately surprised. Did they say why? No, Kevin replied before impatiently getting out of the truck. And so it begins, I think to myself. After Chicago, two of us will drive back to the terminal, but only one of us will leave. I was determined that no matter what, I would not continue with this fool after this battle with management was over. I've been tossed around, frozen, chewed out by customers and management, deprived of sleep and driven to the point of insanity over the past three months, and I was not going to put up with it any longer. If they tried to pull that, you two need to get along rubbish, I would forward everything I had on them to OSHA, DOT, and any government agency I could think of. It would take no time at all to find enough dirt to bury the entire company and send half the managers to jail for negligence. I convinced my friends and family to buy stock in competitors first, of course. Fire me and I wouldn't stop until I owned every truck in the fleet to soothe my mental and emotional distress. As for Kevin, they'd have to dig up half the shoulders on Interstate 80 to find his shallow grave. That is, if I felt gracious enough to dig one instead of making him dinner for a pack of coyotes. I had nothing to lose at this point and I was ready for a fight. I settled into the driver's seat and set up my GPS. It was then that I noticed something odd. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On the steering wheel, there are two sets of controls. The left side had the cruise control and the right was the activation button for the engine brakes. These buttons were the recessed type with a protective rubber blister and backlit with an LED so they can be seen in low light. The engine brake switch was damaged, not worn or dirty, but cut away. I look closely and I can clearly see what I've been afraid of. The telltale cuts from a knife blade. It wasn't some accidental snag or wearing away from use. There were clear, distinct lines marking where the rubber blister had been cut away. The button itself was, fortunately, still intact and functioned. I pressed it and the indicator light came on. It was immediately clear that Kevin wasn't able to remove the engine brakes. They were integrated into the engine and he then tried to make it so I couldn't turn them on. Too bad for him that the truck's designers decided that the engine brakes were important enough to warrant protecting the on switch. All Kevin managed to do was give me one more nail for his coffin. Clear proof he tried to tamper with the truck. I snapped a photo and emailed it to them, explaining this was not like this when I went off duty, and I made sure the knife marks were unmistakable. Kevin comes back in the truck after a bit. I don't mention the switch at all, but without being prompted, Kevin demanded... Don't use those Jake brakes. I say nothing at first, but when we leave out, I make sure they engage on the way out of the parking lot and I dare him to say anything more about it. I drive all through Minnesota without stopping. Each time I have to reduce speed, I make sure to use the engine brakes. They weren't as loud as the older models, but it did make a distinctive sound when the truck was coasting. I knew it was angering him and there was nothing he could do about it. Any more damage to the steering wheel and or suspicious damage under the hood, he'd have to explain why he damaged a perfectly good truck to disable a safety device. Little did either of us know that the next message that came from the computer would change everything. It was from the fleet manager. OP, urgent, call me ASAP. Uh Uh-oh, I say, sounds like all hell just broke loose. The company did not allow cell phone use while driving, even hands-free was prohibited, and I wasn't giving Kevin anything to use against me. I decide to wait until the next fuel stop to make the call. I get to the truck stop, refuel, and go inside the store to place the call while taking the legally mandated 30-minute break. Hey, fleet manager, this is OP, driver ID 9876, I say. Oh, yeah, she replied, seeming very hesitant. OP, what the hell is going on? There's no point in playing dumb at this point. You can't launch the professional email equivalent of a nuclear warhead and play innocent. You got my emails. Yeah, I did, she replied. And so did every department head in the company. Safety has been going ape over this. I really didn't want to, I say. Only a half-truth. But Kevin is getting more and more dangerous and I can't stay in this truck with him anymore. Actually, it's Kevin I need to talk to you about. Okay, what's up? Well, in your email, you said he had memory problems and he said he'd been in a coma for 21 days? Yeah. Are you sure he said 21 days? It was 21 days, I reply, leaving no room for doubt in my tone. He's told that same story every day for three months and it's always the same. 21 days. Yeah, I thought so. He told me the same thing, she claimed. What the frick? She knew about this? Are you kidding me? I wanted to blow up right there, but I managed to keep my cool. What's going on? I asked calmly. I'm not sure, she replied. Safety wanted me to ask you because it struck them as odd. It was 21 days, I repeat, just to drive home the point. 
All right, safety wants you guys back here right now. We'll get someone else to run the load. You just get here so we can get this mess straightened out. I was tempted to probe for more information, but I had the feeling there was nothing left to say. All right, I have enough hours and fuel, so we should get there tonight. Good deal, she replied. We'll talk tomorrow morning. And she hangs up. It takes a few seconds to process what just took place. I'd expected that the emails would cause a bit of a stir, but to have a truck divert nearly 200 miles to relay a load was unheard of. Well, I got their attention at least. I head back out to the truck. Kevin was still sleeping and I had no intention of waking him up to tell him of our new orders. I program the new route into the GPS and verify it with the Atlas. The company's headquarters was only 200 miles or so away, but getting there would take us well away from the interstates and any other major highway. It was shaping up to be a long trip along mostly narrow two-lane highways south through Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Iowa, Idaho, all over again. I then checked the weather and realized then that I had royally annoyed someone in a past life. Remember that winter storm we hit in Idaho and Montana? It was back. Only now it had eaten its Wheaties and bulked up into a full-blown blizzard. Almost the entire route from the truck stop all the way to the company's main terminal was in its sights and it had itchy trigger fingers. The National Weather Service had issued alerts for the entire area with predictions of heavy snow, high winds, and white-out conditions. Sounds like fun, right? Under normal situations, I would have taken one look at the weather radar, said... F that noise and told dispatch I wasn't even about to attempt that run. They could simmer for a couple of days. Unfortunately, as was the case with Kevin, nothing was ever normal. I had to factor his stupidity into every decision I made, and this one had a very big issue. The issue boiled down to the company's weather shutdown system. For whatever reason, the shutdowns only pertain to certain highways, primarily interstates and major US highways between designated towns, mile markers, boundaries, etc. It did not, however, pertain to geographic areas like cities, counties, or states. Instead of all trucks operating in this part of that state, you need to shut down, they were more like any truck on such and such highway in such and such state between mile markers X and Y shut down now. The problem with this company's system is that it didn't issue shutdowns for secondary routes like two-lane highways. In bad weather, the decision to shut down was a judgment call on the part of the driver, and the decision was never questioned or punished. Federal regulations made it very clear that the driver made the final decision as to when and if the trip would continue. I understood that, but Kevin, on the other hand. And as for Kevin's precious company route, well, there wasn't one. The company assigned routes were only generated for trucks under a load assignment. Being diverted like this meant we had to figure it out ourselves. I had no problem with that, but Kevin... He'd probably take a wrong turn into a ghost town where we'd become the inspiration for a new horror movie franchise. Give me a break, I plead to any higher power that may have been listening. I had just gotten the word that the hornet's nest I threw into the company's garden party was starting to sting some important butts, and now I'm going to get taken out by the ghost of Frosty the Snowman. I would have gladly waited it out, but Kevin, being the little sycophant butt kisser he was, would think that if safety didn't tell him to shut down, he didn't need to shut down. Blinding snow, icy roads, no visibility, it didn't matter to him. He was a company driver, and the company told him what to do. Slow down, shut down, only if the company told him to. Kevin hadn't killed us thus far, not for lack of trying, but this was just too much. I made up my mind at that point. No matter what, Kevin would not sit in that driver's seat at all that night. 
He wouldn't drive the first inch during that storm, even if I had to kill him. If he took over, he would surely head down the highway at full speed, run headfirst into a total whiteout, slam on the brakes, and send us both on a one-way trip to the afterlife. This little idiot had been dragging me through hell for so long, and he was not going to get another chance to kill me. I took a deep, ragged, and exasperated breath. I had two choices in front of me. Literally kill Kevin, or tackle the blizzard-ravaged back roads myself. Rock, meet hard place. It's been nearly seven years since that day looking at that phone screen with the route plunging into the storm's radar image. Even now, I often wonder if I made the right decision. I don't know how long I agonized over it, but when the decision was made, it wasn't with absolute certainty. But one thing was clear. There was only one way both of us would make it out of this sub-zero hell alive. F you, Kevin, I say to myself as I fasten my seatbelt, release the brakes, and roll out to meet the blizzard head-on. F you. After everything you've put me through, I'm still trying to save your worthless life. And there we go. That sets us up perfectly for the final episode in this saga. I cannot wait. That's coming tomorrow. So make sure that you are subscribed with notifications on so you do not miss the culmination of this absolute masterpiece. But for now, goodness me. I mean, even there, part eight, phenomenal stuff. Kevin destroying some of the brakes of a truck. Like, what is he actually doing? I know through the whole story, he's not liked you, OP, using the engine brakes. But to actively try and dismantle them and, and render them useless is absolutely nuts. Why? Surely you just leave it. Like, how can someone hate the braking system on a truck that much to try and just rip it out? What is wrong with engine braking? It's so important. I mean, I know I've talked about this before on, on other episodes, but still, why would you do this? It has to be illegal, doesn't it? Who knows? Yeah, nonetheless, I get the feeling... But the last episode here is going to be mental. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Everyone could die and it wouldn't even surprise me. I mean, it would surprise me a little bit given that OP is writing this. But you know what I mean? Like, that actually is on the table as a, as a reasonable possibility. Anyway, guys, that is going to do it for this one. It's, it's going to end soon and I'm, I'm sad about that. One more part to go. One more episode coming at you tomorrow. If you're not watching this or listening to this at the time it's released, then it may already be out. You're lucky if so. If it is... It's on screen right there. Click it, go through to it immediately. Finish up this one. If not, have a bit of patience. 24 hours time, it will be there. Oof, I'm looking forward to it. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.